You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. All right, what's going on, everybody? This is Nathan Crankfield, the host of Seeking Excellence Podcast. And today I have joining me my new friend, Rachel Wong. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm well, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I think it's always fun, you know, podcasting with other podcasters because mm-hmm. it's just like a different, you know, comfort level and experience and all that stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, like, also, like you mentioned, kind of new friends, but we've seen each other online on on the internet and whatnot. So it's always so funny because I equate it to you're walking down the sidewalk and you see someone, it's like, hey, it's the same guy watering their lawn. I'm like, hey, and you know, finally we're having that conversation over the fence. So this is great. (laughs) So true. That's such a good point. And I mean, we've only been on, you know, recording now or or talking with each other for like five minutes. You already blew my mind with one of your personal facts. So I'll let you share that with everybody with you introduce yourself here but why don't you start with uh just tell us a little bit about yourself and especially where you live because oh for sure the extra fun fact for today (laughs) extra fun fact so yes hi i'm rachel and uh, i live in vancouver canada so i I know that nathan was joking we when we were setting up i mentioned pacific time i didn't specify where so a lot of folks think that i live in california which again i have no problem with in my mind i too live in california (laughs) um but in i live in vancouver so uh you know most neighbors to the north uh, for maybe listeners in the states um and yeah like i work here locally i I do uh communications and marketing for one of our local universities um and another funny fact is i graduated from there i tell folks that i haven't gone very far so they've roped me in and i'm staying for a little bit um but aside from that i'm also the host of the feminine genius podcast and uh like you were mentioning nathan i think our podcasts are about similar um length of time in terms of age so it's been a really beautiful, uh, wonderful opportunity to meet incredible women all over the place, um, talk to them about their unique feminine genius. And uh, as many listeners may know, it was inspired by uh, John Paul II's letter to women, which he wrote uh, yes. I, Yeah, about oh, just over 20 years ago now. So Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. And I know your most recent episode upon this recording was um, with our friend Nicole Caruso, who is yes. an absolute rock star. She is. She is. Yeah. Incredible. Like I love her book. And I think just the most beautiful thing was having her book and of course her beautiful face smiling back at me and then being on Skype with her. I'm just like, I cannot believe that you are here and you're on the book and just 
anyway, yeah, she's fantastic. Right. Yeah. No, she is so cool. Her and her husband, I, I, I'm friends with, we're friends with, uh, her and her husband, Steven. Yeah. And, uh, we, we got to go over there. We went to DC in back like seven months ago or so and went to breakfast with them no. at their house. And I got yeah. to meet their one son was like super pumped when he found out I was in the army. Cause he was like this full like Halloween army. Costume. Right. And it was just, we had a really, really great time, but that was probably my highlight actually mm-hmm. of meeting the Cruzos in person was meeting their son who was going crazy. <laughs> in the army uniform. That was a, uh, that was a peak for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's a good point. You know, we were, were, were very close or similar places in the journey. And so I'm interested to know, you know, kind of like the foundings of the podcast, because I feel like I don't get to talk about it too, too much, but it's interesting. You know, it's always fun. I think talking about podcasting with other podcasters. So like, what was your inspiration? Like, when did you start it? And then like, what inspired you to, obviously it's based on the letters. I'm sure the, the letter to women um, was a huge mm-hmm. inspiration for you. But what, what inspired you from that to be like, I want to podcast about this? Right. And and actually, it's so funny because the letter actually came afterwards. And it's, again, another hilarious thing, too, is because it seems like, you know, at this time of recording, we're still very much in the pandemic. And I know that it seems like a lot of folks and their dogs started a pandemic, uh, or excuse me, they started, they didn't start the pandemic, they started the podcast during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's so funny because I had started it a couple year, uh, months earlier. So we had no idea what was going on at that time. Um, but it's, it's a very long story, so I'll kind of keep it brief here. But I went to World Youth Day in Panama in 2019, and it was an incredible experience. But the unique thing about that World Youth Day was that it was in January and not in the summer the way it usually is. Yeah. Um, so given that it's in January, I thought, you know, new year, new me, all of that jazz. And I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? So I went in to World Youth Day with a very big ask. I wanted him... Mm to reveal to me what my vocation was. And in the way that the Lord works, he wasn't necessarily going to give me the vocation right away. But instead, he provided the first kind of stirrings of what eventually became the Feminine Genius podcast. Now, I have a background in radio and and broadcast journalism, and I had kind of set that aside because I got seriously burnt out by the industry. Um, And it was funny because I... You know, I was being drawn back to a lot of women who I admired. And I felt like at that time of my life, I was in a bit of an identity crisis. Like I said, I was kind of burnt out from this industry. And I seriously had no sense of direction as to where Mm. the Lord wanted me to go. But also, as a woman, how was I supposed to serve in the church? I think that was really kind of problem number one. Yeah. So I was really drawn to all of these women uh, in my life and kind of seeing how they were serving, but not feeling like I fit in. And, you know, I, I think the Lord in that moment was really trying to break open my heart in a way uh, to really not look upon these women with envy or jealousy that they were going somewhere and I still hadn't figured it out, but really trying to come to terms with the fact that each woman has their own individual way of living out their femininity. So maybe call it heat stroke. And I had no idea how to deal with Panamanian heat, but I'd pushed it aside. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Well, especially coming from Canada. Yeah, in Canada. Yeah, coming from (laughs) Canada. And I went back and it was snowing and it was terrible. Um, Wow. But, you know, I had pushed it aside for a good five months because I thought there is no way that the Lord is calling me to start a podcast. 
And the other thing I'll mention too is that at that point in my life, I had already started and failed three podcast projects. Really? So, wow. Yeah. So I was certainly not going back to that medium anytime soon. Um, but it was in front of the Blessed Sacraments when the Lord really pushed this onto my heart, not in a forceful way. I don't want to make it sound make it sound like, you know, he has forced and imposed his hand upon me, but kind of in a way where it's like, you know, kind of a playful nudging and just like, hey, I want you to revisit this. And I had a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, the foremost being, what was I going to call this? What could I possibly have to talk mm. about and share? And the Lord in that moment had uh, kind of impressed upon me this term feminine genius. I thought I was a genius because I came up with it. And a Google search informed me that I was not uh, the first person to come up with that term. And in fact, it that's was really John funny. Paul II. Yeah. And that's where the letter came up. It was the first hit on Google. And it it really, like, again, it broke my heart wow. open. I was like, wow, this is this is exactly what I've needed for so long. And within a month, so from the time I was in that Adoration Chapel to starting the podcast on June 1st of 2019, um, it spanned about a month. And I was like, okay, Lord, if, if this is what you want me to do, as it happened, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com was also a available domain. So wow. I think the Lord really set things into motion. And now here we are uh, just about two, over two and a half years later. So. Dang. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so you'll be hitting three year three year mark this year. That's right. That's right. That's big. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, it's super fun. That's really awesome to hear. And so, did you when you were googling? Is that when you found the letter to women? Like, were you not familiar with that at all either? No. And like I said, I like I thought that I just made up this term. I was like feminine yeah. genius. Like that's it's like a Michael great... Scott with uh, unicorns. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I appreciate a good office reference. So <laughs> thank you so much. I just um, watched you like a reel with that earlier today. So it was very top of mind. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I seriously thought it was like, wow, like that's, that's great. Why has nobody trademarked it yet? And I don't know right. if you can trademark Vatican things or encyclical mm. uh, apostolic letter things. Um, but it's that's exactly how I came up uh, to learning about the letter. And then, of course, um, John Paul II also wrote uh, Mulieris Dignitatum or On the Dignity and Vocation of Women. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it just became a severe rabbit hole for me. But oh, I just yeah. ate it all up in, in terms of learning more about the church's view of women, which, as I'm sure we'll get into, um, has not always been favorable. And, and certainly uh, to this day, uh, a lot of people still think that the church oppresses women. Um, but I yeah. found just in reading that first letter and then everything that I've read up until this point, and again, like I'm not saying that I have read everything and I know everything about it, but in just reading more, I've come to see like, wow, like I was so wrong and there's a real truth that needs to be uh, like just shared out there with the world. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that story of how you came to it and executing, you know, now for two and a half years, because, you know, mm -hmm. Seeking X is all about analogies and taking things from one area of life and applying them to another. And I think that mm -hmm. while there's many people out there who are listening, who have no inclination and God has no desire for them to start a podcast, there is probably something you know, uh, for, for many people out there that God does want them to do or some initiative mm -hmm. or some ministry or some form of getting involved and in using their gifts and talents uh, for the service of the Lord in some capacity uh, mm -hmm. that they can take and look at, you know, your journey and your openness and, and the brokenness that you were in and 
uh, like leaning into that and asking God for direction then following his direction and taking the first steps and um, continuing on with that. Because I think that uh, that can apply to so many different things. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's something to be said too about openness and being willing to be led by the Lord. Um, because so many times, and, and certainly I would include myself in this category where we feel like, and we complain to the Lord, like, Lord, you're not giving me any direction. Or we see everybody else around us and social media has just become such a um, just a stage and a platform for this where we see everybody's successes and where they're yeah. going. And and of course, you know, there's there will be our time, but it also requires for us to really step in and take risks, yeah. allow for ourselves to be vulnerable and allow for ourselves to be moved by the Lord too. Uh, and you know, I, I can say with absolute certainty when I look back, there was every reason for me to just say no. Uh, yeah, I, I right. could have very well have done it. And and yet, it there, there truly was something greater at play. And I have to say it was grace. I have to say it was the Lord's, you know, really encouraging me to give this another try, uh, give this medium another try. And, and you know, he really came through. And, and I think when we put that trust in the Lord and we allow for that great expectation. Uh, You know, he does that and so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. There's certain things in life, you know, and and there's many of them where there's like never a good time to do it, you know? And I just think that this is one of those things, especially when you're thinking about doing it for the long haul, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, if you're trying to do, if you're trying to podcast even once a week, you know, for, for, the next two years, let's say like, when, when do you have a good two year stretch in life? You know, that is just going to be like, this is going right. to be an easy time for me. To, like, it just doesn't exist right. or starting a business or like, even uh, I've talked with, about this recently of like, I got a dog, you know, like two mm-hmm. months ago and everybody's like, well, this is a bad time. And it's like, when's a good time? Like they're mm-hmm. really, it's the same thing as like having children, right? Like there's like never a good or easy time to have a kid. There's easier times than others for sure. But there's never like, I think a lot of times we get this false sense of like, like a, a distant future utopia right. of our lives. That's going right. to be like this perfect time to like right. take on more. And sometimes that just doesn't exist, but yeah, um, that's great. So I want to ask you about your thoughts. Obviously I'd love for you to define feminine genius, but something you mm-hmm. shared in your story was like struggling to find where you as a woman could serve in the church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested to hear like what your uh, journey with that was like, if you were like discouraged at certain points or, or anything like that, and what you kind of see, as that now, like your options or or options for women in that capacity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when I was growing up and like, I was born and raised Catholic. So I came out of a very loving and nurturing home. And I would say that my childhood for the most part was very average. And I say that just because I think as time went on, I realized that I was just average. So when I saw, you know, people excelling in Taekwondo or a piano class or, you know, they rocked at the spelling bee, I felt very average and I had no idea where my gifts were. And I was, you know, cultivating a few things. I myself was in piano and I did this extracurricular and that, but I never really excelled at everything. So I would try my best, but I wasn't like the best at anything. And I feel like as time went on and, you know, you get into like with young adulthood, right? Like the whole like vocation seeking and very many or very few people, um, it seems like had a very sure sense of where they were going. But over time, it seemed like God was really 
picking them out and just being like, okay, now you're getting married or you're entering seminary or you're going to enter this religious congregation. So I had a lot of friends who knew where they were going. And again, like I just felt like I was being left behind or I had no idea how to apply some of the seemingly random collection of talents that I had garnered over the years. And I even remember as a kid, like one of my one of my teachers, I can't remember which grade, but she said to me, like she pulled me aside because probably I was talking in class or something. And she pulled me aside and said, Rachel, you know, you have a very good talent for talking, but sometimes we have to apply the talent in the right place. And I'm just like, man, I'm a kid. And what type of a compliment is that? Right? <laughs> right. But of course, at the time, I thought it was great because I had a, a talent for it. Um, so, so it was interesting to really, in some senses, be kind of bare and honest with the Lord and just be like, I, I know that I have gifts and I know that you've created me for a purpose. But when my best is I've got a talent for talking. I have no idea how you're going to utilize that. And I guess at some point, I, I really was being challenged by him to kind of surrender that, just surrender this idea of I, I'm not good enough, or I will never be loved because I've got no tangible gifts, or I've got this weird talent for talking, and I don't know how to apply that on my own. And, and it's true when people say that the Lord redeems everything. Um, and, and, you know, you ask about a definition of the feminine genius. So I think, you know, in being able to surrender not only like the talents and the gifts and allowing him to use it as he wills and, and not for my own glory, uh, like I would say that that's absolutely an integral part of the feminine genius is allowing for your gifts and talents to be utilized in the way that God wills for his glory. But especially over the past couple of years, I've really been reflecting on the flip side of that. Because as you know quite well, I'm sure, like folks' lives are not just the one-sided, picture-perfect talents all the way through, sure. right? There is also um, an equal amount of suffering that is, again, distributed across the human race. People have different sufferings and crosses that they bear. And that in itself is also part of the feminine genius. Like Fulton Sheen, uh, one of my favorites, like talks about the, like how you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion, right? There's no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. So very recently, I've been trying to apply that a lot more and really press into okay, you know, these are these are women who are living out their feminine genius and, and we applaud them for the talents and the gifts, the ways in which they are bringing God into the world. But also like when we look at maybe behind the scenes of Instagram or their podcast or whatever, some of the, the immense difficulties that they've had to go through like miscarriage or um, abuse, uh, abortion, those kinds of things, like the, the very difficult crosses that they've had to endure. So I would say that you can't understand a person's feminine genius or even masculine genius. You can't understand those without looking at your sufferings. So it's not just like a, a one picture perfect thing. It also requires looking at like that whole person, right? A whole, um, uh, yeah, like that, that perspective of really looking at a success, like the successes of a person, but also some of the failures or the troubles, the crosses that they've endured. Oh. Yeah. Cause that's also forming into who you ultimately become, you know, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's really big. There is, I think we just undervalue suffering in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. undervalue it and what it can teach us, but also just undervalue the impact that it's had on us and, and an impact that it can have on our future, both in positive and negative ways, you know, right. wounds that go untreated or um or taking it and like growing out of that and, and watching the beauty that God can take out of your suffering. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. And so for uh, going back to what you said about, you know, like throughout church history, there's kind of been like this, there's an interesting, obviously, relationship with the way that churches viewed women. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, and, and then I think, I think that's undoubtedly true, right? I, I think undoubtedly there's been sexism within the church and church history. Mm-hmm. I think that's also coupled with this interesting kind of component that sets Catholicism in a certain sense apart from pretty much every other like major religion in the world where we right. hold a woman up to be like the greatest human being that ever lived, you know what I mean? And like the impact mm-hmm. that that's had. So how do you kind of like, how do you kind of view that? What are your thoughts on like historical sexism within the church? How do you kind of see that still existing today? Mm-hmm. And Mary's role, I guess you think in kind of evening it out or, or improving it over time. Yeah. Like it's, it- I, I mean, in, in some senses, when you look at the general hierarchy of the Catholic Church, it seems to me like it's a very easy, almost low-hanging fruit thing to point to where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you don't have a female pope, you don't have, you can't even ordain female priests, so what's up with that, right? And, you know, I by no means am an expert on, on some of those things, and of course, like canon law and all of those, but yeah, I, I think like you... It. There, there certainly is a lot to it, but I think, like you said, there is a beautiful balance that is, in some senses, hidden to the world, right? Like you said, the Catholic Church has this very unique uh, relationship to Mary, like we venerate Mary, we honor Mary, we do not worship Mary, um, and she has that highest, um, or I guess to take John Paul II's words, right, like Mary is the highest expression of the feminine genius. Um, so right. in some senses, it's the total opposite of what the world is saying. And it's a very, um, you know, even though Mary is a figure that we can kind of see in images and in statues and whatnot, and we pray the rosary. So in many senses, the legacy lives on. But for the rest of the world, it's a very hidden thing. And I think like there's a there's a real beauty in recognizing that, you know, she herself is kind of a veiled character or like a veiled figure in our faith, um, not veiled like untouchable, but also like just thinking about it in terms of how the most sacred um, items like in our in our churches, right, are hidden behind a veil. Um, and we treat those things with dignity and respect and a certain type of honor, right? So when we think about the, like even the, the order of creation and how God created like things in a certain order and it ultimately culminated to women this is not to say of course that women have superiority over men um but all the same you know even though like the church hierarchy like the physical uh like it kind of reflects a certain thing i think it needs to be taken you know not just on a physical plane but also there's a supernatural or a spiritual plane that needs to be taken into place um or taken into consideration rather uh, so it requires that kind of both and and looking at mm-hmm. them as a unit right complementarity yeah. of the sexes yeah it's so important uh, and i think it's it's so great how our faith uh, i think it was 
father it was it was either father mike or my local pastor i can't remember because i listen to both their homilies every week mm-hmm. and they were talking about recently you know how we do have an, a both and faith mm-hmm. um both faith and works you know both tradition and scripture um right. and that applies to many things you know i think there's a lot of in the world and even like in other christian denominations where you have like a very exclusive it can only be one way or the other you know right. Um, and I think the church really does strive and, and obviously like the fullness of church teaching, you know, really very accurately hits on, you know, the both hand um, mm-hmm. in a great way. But I have a question. You just, you just made me think of something um, with talking about Mary being the highest, which is the highest expression of the feminine genius. Right. Um, so I, I saw a post, this is something that I've been like debating and like wrestling with for a while is um, a big Catholic account posted this a while ago about um I'm trying to think of the best way to frame, like give context to the story. Sure. So they post, I'll, I'll tell you about the post first and then I'll give kind of my, my background. So the post is basically saying, you know, um, you don't have to be a wife or a mother to like fully live out your womanhood or mm-hmm. that it's not like the highest expression of womanhood or that it's not like the fulfillment of womanhood or something along those lines. I wish I had the exact words for you, but basically I think you understand what I'm saying. Like that that's not like when you have reached like the pinnacle of, of womanhood. Right. And my my background to that is that I think a lot of times I've, I've argued recently often on the podcast that I think a lot of times we in an effort to not uh, offend people or hurt mm-hmm. people that are in certain camps, like we we don't say things that might be true mm-hmm. or we take things that are true and kind of like water them down in a sense. Right. And so with like my only contesting of that would be that like what you just said, like Mary was the highest expression of the feminine genius. And what was Mm -hmm. Mary? She was the wife of St. Joseph and she was the mother of Jesus. Right. And so to me that like, that would be the highest form to on men. What do we look at as like the highest form of masculinity of all time was uh, Jesus, right? Second would be St. Joseph and -hmm. Jesus was essentially like the priesthood. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like my confusion with that is like, to me, like for men, the highest form, I think the, the greatest thing that we can do in our lives with like is the priesthood. And I think it doesn't negate the greatness of being a great father and husband and things like that, but it just, it's a, it's just what we would call a higher calling, you right. know? And so I guess, what do you think about that? Like, do you think, cause to me, it would seem that the same would apply to women then and say like being a wife and a mother, like Mary was, who was the highest expression of the feminine genius would be like the, the pinnacle or like the higher calling. Which right. doesn't mean that like you suck if you're not that, right? You know? But I think that we kind of negate the glory of those things when we act like it's not the highest calling. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that as a woman? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want to be clear too that you know when it comes to maternity, right, or motherhood, which we know is one of those aspects of the feminine genius. I think that. Th- Certainly, like not everybody is called to be a biological mother. Sorry, and I should clarify, yeah, of course, not every woman is called to be a biological mother. And motherhood as a a way of living, as a way of giving life, as a way of really sharing God's love and and imaging that in that particular feminine way uh, will be different for every woman. So, of course, like for a lot of the religious yeah. sisters that I know personally or who I've interviewed on the podcast, we always come back to that topic of spiritual motherhood, mm-hmm. right? So, I, I think that one one way of motherhood is not better than the other, but ultimately it's coming back to like how are we 
giving life back. And even for those women who are, you know, to, to stay with like a, a married woman, for example, like those women who are struggling with infertility or they've struggled with miscarriage, right? And, and you know, as a full disclaimer, like I've never been married and, and certainly like have never been pregnant. I have no idea what it's like to go through something as tragic as that. Um, but of course, like, you know, for any woman who has suffered uh, those types of um, just like really tragic things in their lives, and that's the cross that they have to carry, um, because you're not a biological mother, that doesn't negate your ability to mother other people. I think in a sense, it's really like, again, it's that opportunity to bear life to the world. And that can also be fostered like through friendship, um, you know, in loving your spouse, or if you are a single woman, if you're a consecrated virgin, uh, you know, like loving women or women, men, other people in your community, being able to serve them. So of course, yes, it's, and of course, like, you know, we're a pro-life church, right? Like we're a pro-life faith. Um, so that openness to life is certainly important. Fostering life is important and, and being able to bear life is important. Um, right. But all, all the same, like there are different ways to do it. So I, I think that again, it's, it's really that both and, 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 because there are so many different ways depending on the nuance of the woman. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in hearing you say that, I think you almost clarified like my views on it even more too, because mm -hmm. I think that the way that you just described spiritual motherhood, which I've heard described many times before, but I think that it, it, it I think that was the heart of what I was getting at. Mm -hmm. It's like, I almost think it negates the importance of that when you don't instead encourage, instead of encouraging single women to be like, you are in a certain sense, either preparing to be a physical mother through your spiritual motherhood right now, and preparing to be a wife through your spiritual wifeliness, you know what I mean, of, of being married to Jesus in this time of singleness. Um, and for some that like endures forever, right? And that's right. like what you're called to, but that's still like the the pinnacle, like the best thing you'll do. And I think that it, to me, I think it almost leaned too much into like the world's view of like, uh, the world tells women like being a mother and a wife is not the, the peak of what you can do. The peak of what you can do is contribute to society and right. be a doctor or a lawyer. Or, you know what I mean? And I think mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to like hit at or, or yes. would like to hear more people hit on is like, it is the best thing you can do. It just doesn't always look like physical motherhood or being a, a man's wife. You know what I mean? It can be a bunch of different things. Um, but that is still like the, the peak of what you can do just like for men, you know, using being like, and we're all called to be priest, prophet, and king, you know, right. but yeah. um, there's certain aspects of like masculinity that's like, my job is not going to be the biggest impact and like legacy I can leave in the world. You know, mm -hmm. it's like pursuing and like being a, a an apparition of St. Joseph, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and to, to follow off of that too, like many times, like, especially when it comes to vocation, right? Like when you're waiting for that capital V vocation, um, like I've had a lot of conversations with different women where they feel like, oh, well, I will mother, but just not now. Like I want to be a mother, but it yeah. seems like, again, kind of what we were talking about earlier, it's a, it's a thing in the future. 
Uh, and I remember having this conversation with uh, Sophia Lobano. Uh, so she's the host of the Here and Now podcast and, and a brilliant woman and super bright, super smart. But she said something that really stuck with me. And I have to like constantly intentionally remind myself of this is how to how do I intentionally mother right now? And and again, just kind mm. of riffing off exactly what you just said there. Like, you know, for me, motherhood Yes, like, you know, motherhood in the maybe the world sense or the general sense may be further down the line. Uh, like, you know, if slash when I get married, if slash when I have children, that like that comes later. But all the same, it can happen right here and now, right? Again, it's yeah. that opportunity to bear life in the world. So I just wanted to to jump off of that too, because I think it's important for women to remember that these aren't uh, callings that we are called to when we get on, or excuse me, I should say only when we get married. Um, it's the same thing with holiness is that it's not like we have to achieve a certain level of, oh, I've gone to mass like 10,000 times and now I can start to be holy, right? It's something right. that we're called to right now in the exactly. present. Yep. Um, so it's something that we can constantly work on and constantly grow at. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's exactly right. That's what I was trying to get to. Uh, you just said it much better than I did. Um, so I, I greatly appreciate oh. that. So I want to ask you something. This is kind of, so these are two different things and we can talk okay. about this as much or as little as you want. But you said you had one line in there like seven minutes ago where you said, <laughs> you know, not all people are called to get pregnant and have children. And you said, I should say not every woman is called to get uh, pregnant and have children. You know, in today's world, that can be a debatable topic of yeah. whether men and women can get pregnant. And I'm especially interested to bring this up now, because like, as you said that, for some reason, I just remembered and I wish I had it like in front of me. Maybe you know more about this than I do. I don't know how politically engaged you are in the world, but Canada just passed. You guys just passed some pretty strict uh, gender theory based laws, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I certainly, I, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. I am not as politically inclined or, or sure. leaning as I should be, but you're right. Like they had just passed a law with banning conversion therapy, I believe is what yes. you're getting at. Yeah. And I think the, I think conversion therapy is what like the world would call it versus like, I think for many, it, like conversion therapy, when I think of it is like, like I think what it used to mean, just like every a lot of words and terminologies have uh, evolved, and I honestly you can say you could say that they devolved, right? Like they're actually regressing. And conversion therapy 15 years ago used to mean like somebody came out as same sex attracted, and you tried to like send them to a camp and like think right. they'd come back straight, right? Like, right. Um, and that I think had a lot of issues and did a lot of mental damage to people. And I think we understand now that that is really bad. Um, and I think you can have empathy on the the parents or whoever that did that with well-meaning intentions that thought that it would be impactful and successful and actually be best for their child. Mm -hmm. But that's, a, you know, that's a separate topic. But I think the issue with the Canadian language, from what I read about it, is that it actually bans e like kids struggling with gender dysphoria, which three years ago was like a, a known, you know, like mental health issue, like sending them to a counselor to even talk about it before mm -hmm. getting you know, any type of like drugs administered to them or like procedures done is now considered conversion therapy and is illegal, um, which is a massive, I mean, it's obviously a massive difference, you know, right. um, and swinging the opposite direction. But my question with that for you is one, I guess, first thing would be, how is it, you know, living out your Catholic faith in Canada with some of these laws? Like, do you fear for the future of Catholicism there? What is Catholicism like in Canada? You're the first Canadian 
on the podcast. So I'm, I'm recording with David Patterson from Yes Catholic here. Oh, I love I him. If we were supposed to record two days ago, but we, I had to cancel it. So we're doing it two weeks from now. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm helping my Canadian game. But I'd love to hear just, yeah, like what your kind of reaction to that and like what you feel like, are you pessimistic or optimistic about the future of the church in Canada and what it's like now? Yeah, I mean, and first off, just to speak to to you know like what what you've set up here in terms of yeah like gender dysphoria and whatnot like I, again i i have you know i am i'm very grateful i'll start start this way by saying that i'm very grateful that in terms of some of the crosses i've had to bear in my life that has not been one of them so yeah. again like i can't imagine what it's like to to kind of go through that in this society right here right now you know dealing with all of that i have no idea what it's like um but all the same, like, I think what it really pushes me to look into more is just really understanding for myself, like, okay, as a woman, like, what are some of the incredible truths that not, that aren't written superficially on my body or um, that we speak about sometimes in very glib terms? Like, you know, this is not to say anything about women's conferences or women's ministry, because as you can very clearly tell, I like I thrive on women's ministry, but yeah. many times like we throw around like all of this language about, you know, we are daughters of the king and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's absolutely true. OK, mm -hmm. but we throw around very flowery language that sure. may not always resonate with. Um, every Catholic woman. Um, yeah. So I think that there is a certain nuance that needs to happen when we talk about, you know, what, so yeah, you talk about being a daughter of the king, but what does that mean? And how does that reflect some of the diversity that we have in terms of not just like ethnic diversity, not just mm -hmm. diversity of like socioeconomic status and, um, you know, understandings of the world, but also, yeah, like for those women who have grown up, maybe more tomboyish, right? And mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's a term that is, is still in vogue and, and people use and whatnot. But in any case, maybe those women who are not... Um, I think it's totally. commonly used, but it's not politically correct. That's what uh, I would do. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. I've learned something new. Thank you. There you go. You're welcome. Um, but in any case, like, you know, those women who maybe are more inclined to some yeah. of the quote unquote more masculine things. And I think that, you know, in some senses, there is a lot of overlap with uh, like some of the things that men and women can be interested in. Um, I, I think that the trouble starts is like when we automatically kind of go there and it's just like, okay, because you like, you know, sports or you, you know, kind of lean more towards sports that suddenly, you know, you're not feminine. Mm -hmm. Like we see some incredible and I've interviewed some incredible yeah, you know, women. Yeah. Alexandra Glade, like she's, fantastic right so just like again it's a different way to live out your femininity and i think it's when it's nurtured well and and sure like there are some aspects of society and even like within families like wounds that play out um where that's not nurtured well so again i think that's where the trouble starts um so so anyway like i, I wanted to kind of speak into that a little bit but yeah, you know you, you ask about kind of what it's like to to be Catholic and in this country. I, I think that certainly David will, ha will have a lot more to say. And we live on opposite ends of the country right, too. Yeah. So it's a very, like, I feel like it's very different, like in kind of visiting different cities in Canada, like the, the culture is very different. Yeah, similar um, to here. 
Right. Yeah. Like it's, and I mean, like, I think that it's, uh, there's something beautiful about that, right? Like just to see the different nuances and the ways in which people live out their Catholic faith. Certainly like in my, uh, archdiocese, like it's a very multicultural, uh, and, and a lot of, you know, immigrants and refugees that come in that again, like they really help to weave a, a beautiful fabric for what it means mm -hmm. to be Catholic. Um, but, you know, when you talk about, yeah, like this, this most recent um, conversion therapy law and other things, like it's certainly a challenge. And I don't think it's just uh, here in Canada. I think it's really everywhere. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, like there are many times where like I'll, I'll go to work or I'll read the, like read the news and just like the, the anti-Catholic sentiment is certainly very strong. And, and of course, you know, in light of uh, everything that has happened recently with the, um, the residential schools that had happened last year. Now, now this is something that I had maybe very vaguely learned about in social studies class and history class. Um, and, and, you know, to see that tied up with the the Catholic Church, right? And, you know, I don't want to cast any doubt that, uh, you know, these were Catholic, run by the Catholic Church, but of course, like the government also had some role to play in it too, mm -hmm. right? So it's not something that we can just pin on the Catholic Church, but all the same, it was heartbreaking for me to really work through because it required a lot of unlearning, I think, on my part in terms of like, what is it, um, what is our relationship to the first stewards of this land, right? Mm. Um, it's something that is a huge conversation in Canada and has been ongoing. Um, like I know a lot of uh, very different Indigenous folks that have, uh, yeah, very wildly varying views on this. Um, but all the same, you know, feeling extremely hurt, right, intergenerational trauma um, because of these things. So I think that as a church, like we do have a lot to uh, apologize for and to work towards reconciliation for. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting, I would say, and, and all the more colored because of some of the recent revelations. So it hasn't made it easier. Let's just put it that way. Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. And I think it is a hard thing, you know, to reconcile some of the negative uh, actions of the church in the past or decisions or policies. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some of them aren't that long ago, you know, that we've, we've made some huge mistakes in, in this century for sure. Um, with, trying to also like combat all the things that are happening in society and in the culture, you know, mm -hmm. um, it is really a, a, a two, like a, a battle or a war that has many fronts, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yes, it's a difficult indeed. thing uh, to try to balance those things out. But yeah, I think it is really interesting. And I think one thing I'm intrigued in, and I, you know, we had talked about discussing like your views on feminism is I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts too on like how you think feminism is being impacted and, and you can describe whether or not you like support or identify as a feminist or, you know, like where you kind of view yourself on in that world. But I'm interested, I'm very intrigued by there's, there's many contradictions in my opinion of the culture and the way society is moving. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the greatest ones I think is around a lot of modern day feminists who support a lot of the gender theory stuff that actually hurts women. Um, and I think the greatest example of that that's currently top of mind and has been like very popular here in the States has been the uh, Princeton, I think uh, Princeton or Yale, I can't remember, some Ivy League school with the swimmer. 
there's like a, a biological male swimmer who identifies as a woman now who mm-hmm. has like dominated the Ivy league this year right. in swimming. Um, despite like, you know, there was a Princeton swimmer. Yeah. It wasn't at Princeton, but there's Princeton who has a freshman swimmer or mm-hmm. who has a woman who her freshman year was like killing it and just absolutely crushing it. Who lost by like two minutes in a race, you know what I mean? This year to this biological male. And then there's a, a biological female who identifies as a male that also got to participate in women's college swimming. Um, and mm-hmm. the two of them basically had their own race and then everybody else was racing for third in the, in the championships. And so I think that's happening at high school collegiate and we'll see mm-hmm. what happens in professional levels um, or the Olympics and, you know, who knows where it'll end, but there's an interesting thing there. I think that like kind of contradicts itself um, of like feminists who support that, that actually like really hurts, you know, biological women. But anyways, we can go back and everything I just said to the beginning on like your general thoughts and views on feminism. Yeah, it's, it's such a dicey topic, isn't it? I mean, you know, and I think, uh, and and also give a plug for an earlier episode that you did, Nathan, with Emily about the feminine genius. So I know that you both talked about, um, you know, you know, just how like that, that early stage, like that kind of that first wave of feminism, right? Supporting the equal right to the vote and whatnot you know, I'm all for that, right? Like, I would love to make the same amount of money as a man um, for doing equal work. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, it's a good Um, thing. Yeah, like, you know, but of course, again, like the, and maybe feeding into like exactly what you were uh, setting up there, like in terms of just over time, how it's really, like the pendulum has literally swung from one end to the other end of the spectrum and and really, really hard in some senses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm going to be totally candid and just say that I, the term of feminism, and I think maybe for all of those reasons and the different waves that have happened since maybe that initial first push, for the equal right to the vote, um, it makes me super uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember even like during my undergrad and I studied communication, uh, there were a couple courses where we would touch on feminism and, uh, you know, different ways that that is communicated, like just different feminist uh, thoughts and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it always made me very uncomfortable and perhaps like to some extent, and I'm uh, totally maybe chalk it up to the fact that like, I didn't do as much reading as I should on, you know, why some women believe what they believe and some of the history around it. But I think on a deeper level too, like it, like the question that came to mind was like, I feel very comfortable with my skin and and who I am as a woman to some extent, of course, like I had like those moments of feeling doubt about where I was supposed to live out, but I don't think ever once I questioned my sexuality or questioned even the fact that, you know, at that time, at least, like, that I was any less at a disadvantage, or I was, what am I trying to say? I was at a disadvantage, um, like, between myself and maybe, like, the guy sitting next to me in my class. Like, I never felt like I was at any disadvantage. And so a lot of the the theories that were put out, it seemed very severe and eccentric. And I was just like, what what is happening? And, yeah. of course, like you said, like, a lot of the... Um, just like the the kind of flip-flopping and and some of the, oh no, like what is the word? Like just the kind of like the double crossing and just like a lot of um, inconsistencies. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah. That, that were coming up. I was just, it 
made me and it left me feeling very confused. I was just like, but you, you said one thing, but now you're letting something else happen. And I think perfectly illustrated in, in the example that you drew and, um, Alice von Hildebrand, who we had at the time of recording had just lost, um, so mm. I, I'm very sad about that. Yeah, wonderful yeah. philosopher and and just yeah, writer. Yeah, really bombed. Yeah, like just super sad. But and I'm not going to get this quote right. But she said something. Um, Alice von Hildebrand said something to the effect of just how it's, you know, she was almost. I can imagine her laughing, um, in some senses when when she says that. Like, isn't it funny about how you know, like feminism really was trying to topple like the, like the patriarchy and the whole aesthetic of the man and, right. and trying to combat that unfairness. But then in some senses, they're doing that by taking on more qualities of the man in order to do that. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, it's, so again, I read that. And at first I was just like, wait, what is she trying to say? But the more I thought about it, and then you read stories like exactly what you described, um, the more I thought about it, I was like, wait a second, I think that's actually true. So it's, in some senses, it is very ironic, I guess, that you know yeah. we have to take on more, quote unquote, masculine qualities in order to kind of catch up and then overtake men. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, and I, I love what you said there. I think you pointed to something that I've shared a lot in in both like my political journey and my experience and my journey here in the States with racism. And I remember like, I can like remember like a specific car ride in 2020, like in the mm -hmm. heat of the George Floyd, mm -hmm. um, you know, riots and all of that stuff. And I was riding in my car and I like saw a police officer on the side of the road and I like got kind of nervous. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like I have friends who are police officers. I've been pulled over a number of times. I've come across police officers on the street many times. You know what I mean? Like I've never had a bad experience, but because like I watched a certain amount of CNN today, you know, like I feel like I have to fear this police officer. And mm -hmm. I was like, it, it was just starting to realize, you know, I'm watching like MLB players like weep on TV about, the police and watching all the stuff LeBron was saying. And then eventually I was like, that just doesn't add up with like the reality that I feel like I'm encountering. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel like has been as a man, even my struggle with like modern day feminism that says, you know, things are so unequal and so unfair when you look out or like, if you just have like lived in the world, you're like, I don't, I don't ever, I never felt like I had an advantage over a woman and a disadvantage to, to a white guy here in America. You know what I mean? Like, I just haven't really, I've dealt with racism. I've had people make fun of me for my race and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's certain things, you know, where there are, obviously there's certain things like sports and things like that, where I have felt like I've had an advantage over, you know, if playing, yeah. if Emily and I are playing basketball together, you know, I feel like I have some advantages <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, but I, I do think that that's like so important for people to just be like, go and see for yourself. And I think that it's the saddest and one of the most, evil parts of a lot of these movements is they want to get more and more into preschools and grade schools, because if they can just shape your worldview to go out and look for these things, then you will go out and find the patriarchy and white supremacy and everything that you could think of that will make you hysterical and upset and, uh, you know, angry and outraged mm -hmm. at the world, at yourself, at God, at others, um, you'll find it because it's just like how you've been shaped to go out and see the world. You know, but I think if you can actually wipe and, and take like a neutral stance, 
it's a little bit easier to see. I don't know if this is as bad as people are saying it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, in some senses too, like I want to bring, bring back a both and mm-hmm. not in maybe necessarily like the Catholic sense, but, you know, I, I think as, as a racialized woman, like walking around here in Canada, like certainly like, I think you're right. If, if you start to go out into the world and you are looking out for those systems, absolutely. They will become apparent because, you know, a lot of our country, our countries, I should say, um, yeah, have been built on very similar types of systems that Mm -hmm. maybe have privileged one race, one gender over another. So I, I think there's no getting around that. But all the same, I think if we allow ourselves, you know, maybe hearkening back to something I mentioned earlier, like allowing for ourselves to be led, allowing for ourselves to to really root ourselves in, you know, Jesus way, truth and life. Right. I I think at the heart of all of that, as especially as Catholics, especially in a world that has become so, so dark, um, you know, that is really in need of light. Um, when when the world has become so loud with, yeah, whatever movement, whatever protests, whatever tragedy that has come up, and, and then whatever kind of movements that fuel up from it, I, I think it's worth being able to see those things, being able to empathize with other people, but also, you know, when we think about ourselves, okay, like, what, like, how am I being called to mobilize and really be that truth for other people. So I think like when it comes to speaking truth, of course, like we need to be empathetic and we need to be um, well armed with the knowledge of some of the issues that are happening, but also well armed in the love of Christ first and foremost. Um, And just being able to share those messages with love. So again, like I think it's, uh, you know, in some senses of both and of, of being uh, very well aware of what's happening in the world, being well aware of some of the the difficulties and the struggles. Um, and then, you know, from that, how are we able to speak truth into those? Right. And I think, you know, the other thing, I think of the cardinal virtues when it comes to especially these two movements, whether it be mm-hmm. feminism or uh, a lot of the racial justice movements, mm-hmm. is uh, when I think of prudence and justice, right? Like I think the the main role and like, and would love to hear your thoughts in, in response to this. I think one of the main roles that we have as Catholics in that is it's easy for those on the right to forget that we do have to fight for equality because mm-hmm. you get so like turned off by the movements that are fighting for that. Yeah. And so we have to take an honest and open approach to what is equality, where is inequality existing and injustice existing and how can we eradicate it on the, the left side? I feel like what we miss on, is there like Catholics have to be the ones that want actual justice. And what you see a lot of times is, is this push for like reparations in both Mm -hmm. of those movements goes to the point of like actually oppressing the others. Right. Mm -hmm. So like feminism, when it got to the point of one women becoming men or wanting to become more masculine um, or the things that we typically, you know, think of as masculine, especially like negative masculine traits, right? Like they're not like shooting for, it's like shooting to have like as many sexual partners as you want and power and dominate over people. Like right. it's not good things. Um, mm-hmm. So we wouldn't even call it masculinity really. Um, but then in the racial side too, where it's like, you're like guilt tripping and like having like white kids who have done nothing wrong to anybody, you know what I mean? Five, seven year olds being told that they're like inherently racist and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, we have to be the ones like Catholics should be the ones that say, no, we want everybody to be treated equal and fair and like injustice to be ended. 
but it doesn't go to the point of like men need to be trash and white people are bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's where I feel like we have to have the prudence and justice to be like, where does this end? And what is like the ultimate goal? Because that's where I feel like I get frustrated most myself with like the feminist movement is like in this, like the futurist female, like women, like when the mindset really becomes women are better than men. And if women were running the world, everything would be solved and everything would be better. And men are toxic and bad, you know? And and I hate the same thing, even as a black man for white people, when it becomes like white people are bad, white people are evil, white people are racist and uh, I think we have to, as Catholics, kind of have that balance of like, yes, like I too want you to get paid the same as me if I were doing the same job, you know, and like different races. Like I want you to be treated fairly. And I right. want, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, black on Asian crime that happens in the United States. And I need to care about that just as much as I care about white cops, you know, um, mm-hmm. being violent towards black criminals or, mm-hmm. or just black innocent people as well. Um, but having that like equal mindset where it's like, I don't just care about black people as a, a black man who's Catholic, uh, you know, I have to care about everybody and I want anti-Semitism to stop and anti-Asian yeah. uh, hate to stop. And I want anti-Hispanic, you know, uh, verbiage and things like all of that to end and, and violence to end. And I think we have to have that like holistic approach uh to all of it you know totally totally yeah and that's so well said and just as you're you're speaking about that what that makes me think of is and you know i feel like everybody is so tired of hearing me talk about it but i cannot stop bringing it up is you know saint paul talking about the whole body of christ right in his letter to the corinthians and again like what stands out to me just in relation to what you're talking about is you know, like the the Lord or God organizing the different organs or the parts of the body as he chose mm-hmm. and how there there really is no such thing as a inferior part of the body. So again, you know, and I've used this uh, kind of uh, analogy before about how like even like the, the single eyelash, the one that is like stabbing you in the eye and you're just like, what on earth? is wrong with you right that one eyelash and everybody knows the eyelash i'm talking about how that is just as important as your liver like some of the most vital organs so again when we think about the body of christ and i love how you're talking about prudence and justice and being able to take those two together and being totally aware of how we need to really practice those like when it comes to approaching our neighbor um recognizing the inherent dignity that they have like just you know full stop um and how we like i as a as a woman uh am not and and should not strive to be like dominant over another man right and and the Mm -hmm. reverse is true like a man should not try to dominate or oppress women um, so again, like to, to really stretch that analogy, like if we were all hands or if we were all feet, if we were all eyes, like first off, the world would be so boring. Um, right, yeah. There would be this huge burden of just because we all do the same thing, then there's a lot of things, there's a lot of richness that's going to be missing. Um, yeah. But really at the core, like just the fact that that's not how God created us right like he has i don't know how many people there like billions of people there are on this planet right now you know like seriously thinking about like in the economy of salvation how there is nothing that is wasted and there is nothing that is amiss or missing how each one of us is supposed to be right here right now so for those of you listening right now like you're supposed to be living and breathing and living out whatever mission you're called to right now 
in this time, like not in the 15th century, not 100 years from now when we're all like habitating on Mars or something like right now. And I think that that's something that, again, we just throw around in circles and we're or Catholic circles and we kind of just pass off as a glib term. So just to recognize first off the dignity you have, how that is reflected in our neighbor, regardless of who they are and what they do, and just how we seriously, seriously need each other, right? There's not one race that is better than another. There's not one gender that is better than another. It really takes all of us. And that is how like the city of God inside the city of man will be built. And I think because we're spending so much time trying to we're taking the tools that we've been given and we're using that to tear each other down versus building the things, right? And I think that's really at the heart of it, um, the way I see it at least, like some of the the major reasons as to why we're not able to advance a lot of right. conversations, a lot of, um, you know, good movements that have started in a good place, but have unfortunately devolved into who can scream the loudest. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I've been talking a lot recently, you've probably seen this on social media of like my journey to becoming more politically conservative. Mm -hmm. And I do think that one of the heartbreaking things to me in that is in like the Republican party, let's say, um, which is not something that like, I always say, I'm not like a huge advocate for all Republicans, all things Republican. um, But I am generally conservative is one of the sad things to me is like, Everything you just said, I feel like for most like people on the right seems pretty liberal, but it's actually just really Catholic. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everything, like we yeah. need each other, like nobody's better than the other. For like sure. it's just like that's just like Catholicism, you know? And that's mm. like my struggle a lot of times with the right is it's been infiltrated by so many libertarians who are kind of just in mm. this like you do you, I'll do me kind of thing. And it's like, no, we like really are a community. We really need each other. Uh the other thing that's missed a lot of times in like liberalism and libertarianism uh is that we like need god as well you know mm-hmm. and like recognizing that we all have dignity from conception to natural death and, and all these types of things you know yeah i'm um, just our dependence on one another and how um yeah i just just everything you just said was so good but it's like i can see like i can feel you know what i mean like people who are like hard writers being like oh that sounds super liberal that's not just super catholic you know and there's just it's just so true that like we really don't have a like secure political home. And I think that mm-hmm. you can't stress that enough, you know, as much as right. I talk about politics and, and and promote a lot of things on the right and criticize a lot of the left. Um, I do think that that's true. And I, and I always try to stress these areas where I feel like very uncomfortable on the right at times. And yeah. I still have my, you know, I was basically a sociology major in college <laughs> and had my freaking Marxist teachers that taught me all kinds of things. And I'm like, some of that stuff is true. Like some things are jacked up and need mm-hmm. reform. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, that doesn't mean that I hate America or that you hate Canada or whatever, just because Mm -hmm. we recognize that there are some things that could positively change. Um, But at the same time, doesn't, yeah, just finding that balance and being able to, like we said, have prudence, have a, you know, a sense of mindset of justice and really walk in the light of Christ to find out where is the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, given that like we as a as a Catholic people, like we have that belief in Jesus, who is again way, truth, and life. Like there's, like that in itself is such a gift. Like to have that revelation, to have that faith. So then again, like how do we bring that out? Not just like within Catholic circles, you know, going out to right. different denominations of Christianity, um, other faiths, other religions, right? Um, 
But I think, you know, you talk about not having a secure political home and I've never thought of it that way, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that just really is a, a nod to the fact that we are like a consecrated people. So again, consecrated to be set right. apart. Again, it doesn't mean that all Catholics are better than everyone who is not Catholic, right? Like we, uh, you know, even our, our Christian brothers and sisters, anyone who is uh, non-Catholic, they too have dignity. So I want to stress sure. that. But all the same, because like we have that truth uh, inside of us, there is a in some senses, like a, a supernatural call that we have to really share that with the world. Right. And I think, again, you know, to tie it back to feminine and masculine genius, there is going to be a very unique way that you're called to do it. It's not going to look like the person next to you. And that's okay, too. Right. Um, so, so just to, yeah, to, to really recognize that we are a consecrated people. We have been consecrated with purpose and and to live life in abundance yeah absolutely and i just want to read or like stress too that just because we don't have a political home doesn't mean that we don't vote or that right. we don't you know right. get engaged in politics and run with a certain party um, but we should be striving to whichever party you know you find yourself in and your conscience leads you towards um and i mean obviously i have my stance on which one i think aligns more with uh church values and things like that but um you still should like be fighting for change in that. You know what I mean? Like I, while I don't love Catholics who are like hard Democrats, I do appreciate the ones who at least identify as Democrat, but are like the pro-life Democrats, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And recognize like, this is not good. You know what I mean? Like I believe in a lot of, you know, um, economic, you know, liberal, like a little bit more progressive economically and things like that. Um, or like social safety nets should be bigger. Government should be bigger, whatever they believe those things, but they're like, but the things that are church teaching, they like adhere to, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that that's important. And I have a lot of respect for people who are like that, that at least, you know, are trying to fight back against their party. And I think there's people who are trying to do that on the right as well. Um, but I just think we have to remember that we can't be, I've seen just a lot of Catholics yeah, who are just like super hard Republicans. I'm like, you know, that like some of this is bad too. <laughs> <laughs> for the church but anyways um yeah. that's great well rachel thank you so much i know we just went a little bit over time so uh i apologize for that but thank you so much for joining me today it was great to hear all of your thoughts um yeah and just everything that you shared was really awesome no thank you thank you for challenging me stretching me and yeah i'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing so thank you yeah. Awesome. Well, great. So I hope everybody enjoyed this episode uh, with my new friend, Rachel, and I hope that you'll go and check out the Feminine Genius podcast. Um, and we'll put everything in the show notes where you can find her um, on Instagram and your website and all that stuff. Uh, but is there anything else you want to share or advertise as far as that goes? Nope. You said it all. So thank you so much. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, I hope this encourages everybody to understand how to better live out uh, your femininity or your masculinity, especially in today's world and navigating some of these things and how you can continue to strive to live out your Catholic faith, most importantly, in you know whatever role and area you find yourself in or stage of life that you find yourself in. And so thank you again, Rachel, and just want to encourage everybody to continue to fight hard to be your best.